Welcome back to City of Desert. I'm Father David Abernathy, and we continue our reading of the Philokalia, in particular from the volume entitled Writings on Prayer of the Heart. And currently, we're reading uh, St. Hezekiah of Jerusalem, his thoughts on sobriety and uh, prayerfulness. And we've been speaking these past weeks about humility and poverty, and last week in particular, we looked at these as the distinctive qualities of, of the Christian and how important it is uh, for us in, in terms of the rest of our spiritual life that lacking these distinctive qualities, all of our other virtues become vain and meaningless and we find ourselves walking in darkness. Well, in these paragraphs, uh, 87 through 89, that we'll be looking at today, uh, Hezekiah begins to speak to us about what it looks like when uh, a person begins to uh, embrace these distinctive qualities in their fullness, what the interior life in particular begins to look like and the shape that the thoughts begin to, to take as well. And so, as I mentioned, we're picking up with paragraph 87 on page 296, if you're following in the text. And so Hezekiah begins to write in paragraph 87, as material salt gives a savor to bread and to all food, and keeps meat from rotting, even for a long time, so in this same way should you think of guarding the inner savor of the mind and the wonderful doing in the heart. For it sweetens divinely both the inner and outer man, drives away the evil smell of wicked thoughts, and preserves us continually in what is good. And so the virtues that we spoke of this last time, uh, humility and poverty, uh, act as salt to the soul. They preserve us from a kind of putrefaction by exposure to the things of the world and uh, also gives uh, our life a, a kind of, of savor, uh, a divine savor, if you will, that there's a sweetness that we begin to experience in our lives that is part of the sweetness of, of sharing uh, in the life of God and intimacy with Him. He continues in paragraph 88 by saying, From suggestions come many thoughts, and from these come the actual evil deed. But he who with Jesus straightway quenches the former has escaped that which comes after, and he will become rich in the sweet divine knowledge through which he will see God present everywhere. And so once one develops this humility and poverty, we begin to see uh, more quickly the evil thoughts that begin to approach us to tempt us and begin to more easily avoid them so as to maintain that sweetness of contemplation. And placing before God the mirror of his mind, he will be illumined by him like pure crystal that mirrors the visible sun. And so it is as if we become transparent to, or translucent to the, to the light of God. His light shines 
through us, that we become illuminated by the, the light of heaven itself. And then at length, the mind, having reached the furthest point of its desire, will find in itself repose from all other contemplation. So a stillness begins to reign within the mind. Our desire, as he says, reaches its furthest point. That is, we become completely focused upon God. And so our contemplation of anything worldly ceases. And we find ourselves solely focused on God and undisturbed by any other thought or image or idea. In paragraph 89, he concludes, Since every thought enters the heart through imagining something sensory, and the sensory hinders the mental, so the light of the deity begins to illumine the mind only when it is freed of everything and is totally empty of form without representation of shape or form. For this illumination is manifested in a mind already pure on condition that it is free of all thoughts. And it's an interesting way to conclude uh, these few passages for him because he begins to tell us one of the essential elements of the Eastern spiritual writers in regards to prayer, uh, that it is an apophatic approach. In other words, that uh, we're not filling the mind with thoughts, images, ideas of God, but rather seeking to bring a kind of stillness to the mind uh, through emptying it by unceasing prayer of thoughts, images, ideas, fantasies of any kind. And we do this in order that this stillness might emerge and the contemplation of all things other than God cease, as he mentioned in the last paragraph. And so with a clarity here, I think he brings us to a point of a deeper understanding of the thought of the Eastern Fathers and why it is so important in their minds to approach the life of prayer in this distinctive fashion. Uh, at first in reading their writings, it can be a bit off-putting and seem so different from what we often read in other uh, Christian spiritual writers. The setting aside of thoughts, images, ideas can be something that feels very difficult or offers very little consolation but as Hezekiah puts it before us here today, that we are actually being led to the point of greatest sweetness for the soul, to savor the things of the divine, to be undistracted by anything and be able to contemplate God with purity of mind and heart. That brings us to the end of this episode. Next time we'll pick up here by discussing the, the sweetness of prayer uh, that is found in a pure and humbled heart. Uh, have a good week, and I look forward to seeing you soon.